Demographics or demography is one of those words or word loaned from the ancient Greek, so it sounds fancier than it actually is. It simply means people and society. To me, demographics is a study, a study of primarily human populations, at least in numbers. When people study demographics as a discipline, they want to see breakdowns by stuff like, you know, gender, poverty, wealth, economics, race, nationality, religion, etc., etc., etc. The usual ways we basically like to categorize ourselves. Studying demographics, by the way, is not new. Someone, somewhere, needs to know who and what is living inside your realm, republic, empire, country, whatever. You can, after all, only tax and control what and who you know, not what you don't know. As a result, the masters, the elites, and the rulers have been counting humans while we plebs have been counting chickens, and they have been counting humans from the moment the first city-states showed up in Mesopotamia back in the day. I'd like to also suggest that rulers have probably been counting the people whom they rule over way before ancient early states of Iraq. We've probably been counting humans since we were in tribes and villages, so it's not new and it goes back way before the advent of so-called civilization. Humans seem to have an obsession about counting each other. Why? Because without counting, the ruler cannot plan, collect tax, or fight wars. The ruled, however, that's me, probably you too, is a statistic, like we always have been, and always will continue to be. As depressing as that sounds, it is true. A population typically refers to the number of people in a single area, whether it be a town or a city or region, country, continent, or even the world. For the most part, the population does not refer to animals, so it's only people, unless of course you're counting livestock. We are proudly a self-obsessed species. We only count ourselves. Governments, your rulers, typically quantify the size of a resident population within their borders using what is known as a census. This is a process. It's a process of collecting, analyzing, compiling, and publishing data regarding people, i.e. population. And this output gives us, basically, the demographic data they so need. I guess then, demographics, or the study of this, is essentially a social science. Then there is something very clever called population geography. This is demography in a geographical perspective. So you take your data and throw it onto a map or a region. So you can say then that Mexico City has this number of men, that number of women. Population geography tackles a few things, and I'm going to outline five. Number one. Regular demographic phenomena. This is stuff like mortality, growth rates, etc. And that is tracked through space and time. Number two, increases or decreases in population numbers. Number three, movements and mobility of populations. Number four, occupational structure of peoples. And number five, the way in which places in turn then react to population phenomena, i.e. immigration. That then takes us to something even fancier called settlement geography. This is a study of settled societies, so therefore the study of settlements. In this, the social scientists look for mostly two main things. One, a grouping or the grouping of people within settlements, and two, settlement patterns. I'm not going to go into the nitty-gritty of running a census, monitoring the plebs, or turning people into casual statistics. That's for your rulers and masters to figure out and execute on. I want to spend the rest of my time with you explaining 
what population shifts have done in the past and what population trends we can see on the horizon that can impact not just our societies, but geopolitical power politics in the future. So one is population. So the other is depopulation. Depopulation is the reduction of people. So by default, then, population is the addition of people. Quite simple, remember that. Okay, good, moving on. It's assumed in modern times that the population is always growing. After all, that's what we are led to believe, right? One point, the human population of the planet was assumed to be 5 billion. Now, it's assumed to be 8 billion. At some other point, it could be 10 or 15 or 20 billion. Depopulation, though, has been part of the normal human course of society and history for as long as we have had humans. Apart from the last hundred odd years, and because of modern medicine, hygiene and fossil fuels, we've had and seen depopulation. It would not be unusual, for example, for someone in France in the year 1000 to walk past ruins of a more previously advanced civilization, say that of the Romans. Indeed, depopulation happened not just because of human-induced war, it also happened due to a natural calamity or something else entirely. The growth of these humanoid numbers in the recent past is actually quite staggering. I'm looking at assumptions here. As of today, January 2023, we have about roughly 8 billion people on the planet. This is a number that includes net births and net deaths. I'm honestly not sure how they actually go around counting and calculating all this, but I'll go with it for now. 128 million odd births in 2022. 64 million deaths in 2022. Meaning, 64 million population growth in 2022. To me, growth happens when parents, two humans, copulate and reproduce the species. But having one offspring simply replaces one of the two parents. Having two children replaces both parents, but keeps the population the same. It's when you have three or more kids that you add people to the ecosystem. No children or one child reduces the population. All right, where are we today? I want to look at some interesting country demographics what it would mean for us in the future, and how it impacts global geopolitics in the future too. And I'm going to look at 17 countries, and they are China, India, Russia, Bangladesh, Nigeria, Egypt, South Africa, Germany, USA, Sweden, Mexico, Brazil, Indonesia, Japan, Iraq, Syria, Libya. Now, the information I'm about to provide is a bunch of numbers. So you may need to pay a little bit more attention than usual to keep up with me. The numbers are fascinating. A disclaimer first though, who really truly knows exactly the numbers of people out there? And I am sure that as you go further back in time, the data gets worse and not better. Population growth rates too, you'll need to take with a pinch of salt. No one really truly knows this data. So use this information that I'm about to provide you with a nice big grain of salt. But ultimately, it does provide us with trends and can set us up for an understanding of what population and politics and geopolitics and everything about humans would look like in the future. Because human history is all about humans, right? Without humans, there is no human history. So we're going to start with Libya. Libya's population is supposed to be at 7 million now here in early 2023. In 1960, it was 2 million. However, 
due to the NATO bombing efforts and the subsequent civil war and now failed state situation over there, Libya actually depopulated. Growth rates fell from 3.39% in 1980 down to 0.88% in 2015. Syria. About 18 million people there as I talk to you. That's up from 4 million in 1960. This country has also seen foreign intervention and civil war. Population growth rates in 2007 was 4.2%. In 2017, it was minus 2.27%. That's massive depopulation. Death and migration contributed to it. Iraq. About 7 million people in 1970. Now it's 40 million. Again, like the aforementioned two countries, this one has seen two invasions, one occupation and 12 years of sanctions. Oh, and even before that, a brutal decade of war against Iran, its neighbor. In 1970, population growth rate was 3.5%. In 1985, it was 2.41%. And this is in the middle of the war with Iran. During the sanctions regime in, say, 1995, the growth rate again went up to 3.12% in 1995. In 2004, one year after the US invasion, the growth rate fell to 2.61%. In 2008, the growth rate was down to 1.7%. This was at the height of what the US called the insurgency, but what I call a civil war. Now, I want to look at some countries that have not had civil wars, starting with Japan. And Japan is really interesting. In 1960, Japan had 93 million people. Today, it has about 125 million people. However, and this is a critical point, growth rates in 1970 was 1.38%. But it's been declining ever since. Growth rate in 1990 was just 0.36%. In 2000, 0.16%. In 2010, no growth at all, 0%. In 2020, minus 0.3%. The population is actually in natural decline. No wars, nothing. Just no human replacement. Eventually, the population will age and the population of Japan could and likely will collapse. The median age there is 48 years old. You can contrast that with Indonesia, whose median age is just 30 years old. The population in 1960 in Indonesia was 87 million. Now that stands at 273 million. By the way, Indonesia, with that count, holds the fourth largest population in the world. In 1970, the growth rate peaked at 2.75%. Today, it's at 1.1% and it's also gradually in decline. The population of Brazil in 1970 was 70 million, 212 million in 2020. However, like Indonesia, its population has also been gradually in decline. 2.93% growth in 1960. By 2020, that growth was just 0.72%. Isn't it amazing? Mexico next. In 1960, 37 million. By 2020, 132 million. That's a lot of people. However, here too, the growth rate is apparently in gradual decline. It's just over 1% in 2020. Sweden next. I know I'm jumping all over the world here. So Sweden has a really odd experience. It's a country with a tiny population, just 10 million people today. 
That is, though, up from just over 7 million in 1960. Population growth rate in 1960 was 0.62%. Then it went slightly up to 0.84% in 1970, dropping to 0.04% in 1982. That's pretty much flat. And then oddly jumping back up to 0.71% in 1992, dropping back to 0.2% in 1998, before jumping back up to 0.83% in 2010. In 2020, it was back at 0.63%, roughly about the same as it was back in 1960. So it's been pretty flat. For the United States, the population in 1960 was about 186 million. In 2020, that was at 331 million. The US, with that count, is the third most populated country in the world. The median age in the US is quite high, 38 years old. Even here in the US, the growth rate was at 1.6% in 1960, and it's only 0.5% by 2020. That too is a significant decline in the US. Germany next. 85 million people today, 73 million in 1960. Like the Swedes, they have had topsy-turvy up and down growth rate as well. 0.79% in 1964, negative 2.3% in 1982, positive 0.59% in 1992, minus 0.26% in 2008, then a plus 0.57% in 2007. And I wonder if a lot of that is because Germany let in about a million plus refugees from the Middle East at around that time in 2017. Then again, those numbers indicate at the most a flat growth rate. Next, South Africa. Today, South Africa has 61 million people, but back in 1960, that was just 17 million people. 0.53% was the growth rate here in 1992, when around the time apartheid ended. In 2020, several decades after apartheid ended, that was down to just 1.28% here in South Africa. The median age there is just 27 years old. Egypt. While in Egypt, the median age is just 24 years old. 26 million people were there in 1960. In 2020, the population in Egypt is at 107 million. In 1960, the population growth rate was 2.78%. Interestingly though, here in Egypt, it had declined down to 1.94%. Again, the trend, like Indonesia, is downward. What about Nigeria? Here in Nigeria, 45 million people in 1960. While in 2020, that number is 206 million people. That's an astounding increase. That's a growth rate in 1960 of 2%. In 2020, that's 2.58%. Yes, that is certainly up. But it's notable too that the growth trend line for Nigeria remains flat or trending, edging slightly downish. Oh, and interestingly, very interestingly, the median age in Nigeria is guess what? It's just 18 years old. That's right, just 18 years old. Imagine then the number of people that are actually under the age of 18 to get that median age of 18. All right, next up, Bangladesh. Population in 2020 is 169 million people. In 1972, at the point of independence from Pakistan, it was at 66 million people. The median age is 27 years old. 
Growth rate is interesting here. In 1967, while still East Pakistan, the growth rate was assumed at 3.28%. During the wars of independence, the various genocides and mass migrations into India, the growth rate collapsed to 1.52% by 1972, jumping back up to 2.76% in 1979. But by 2020, that growth rate declined to just 1%. So again, the trend line is downward. Russia. Russia has 119 million people, or at least had 119 million people during the Soviet Union days. In 2020, 146 million people. That number has been reasonably flat since the end of the USSR in 1991. The median age in Russia is thought to be around 39 years old. The population growth rate was 1.35% in 1960. It went down to minus 3% in 1999, that was during the depths of the 1990s economic collapse. In 2020, Russia etched out just a 0.04% growth rate. That is pretty much flat. China. China's population in 1960 was 660 million. That's despite all the chaos of the century of humiliation and the Mao era. So much so that it was a billion by 1980 and 1.4 billion by 2020. The median age in China is 30 years old. Growth rate is interesting. In 1952, growth was at 2.79%, despite that civil war and under Mao. But in the 1950s, say 1956, that growth rate had dropped to 1.49%. Then in 1970, jumped to 2.68%. In 1980, they introduced that one-child policy. The population growth rate then went down to 1.42% in 1980, but then jumped to 1.93% in 1988. In 2015, the one-child policy was scrapped, but the population growth was still just 0.39% in 2020, with the trend line going downwards. Finally, India. India's population in 2022 was about 1.4 billion, close-ish to China, but was still number two after China in 2022. It will likely go past China pretty soon, possibly in 2023 or 2024. The median age is 28 years old. In 1960, the population was 450 million. That's a huge jump, by the way, from 450 million to 1.4 billion. The growth rate in 1960 was 1.98%. In 1974, the growth rate peaked at 2.36%, but has since declined in the years following that to 0.99% in 2020. Growth trend, however, remains downward in India as well. As I mentioned already, the numbers, I guess, are we can't 100% rely on. They exist, they're trends. Who really knows what the population of Nigeria was in 1960 or that of Bangladesh in 1972? I'd rather, though, we just use this as trends and not actually as facts. And if we do that, then what are these trends and what are these indicators? And I can think of five. Number one is ample, first of all, number one, and I want to be clear about this, that there is ample space to have more people on the planet. Countries like Russia, Canada, the US, Argentina, Australia, New Zealand, Chile, among others, are relatively empty. Even heavily populated countries like India, if you go rural, there's still lots of land. The question, of course, is, does the earth have enough water, food, and fossil fuels to sustain all these humans? Number two, the population numbers peaked somewhere between 1970 and 1999. But we're seeing growth rate decline as a whole since then. Sure, there are certain pockets where people are increasing, but overall, there seems to be some depopulation going on. 
Point number three. In many countries, the population is literally aging without enough children to replace the dying, dead, or middle-aged. Japan and Sweden are examples. Number four. Some, especially in Africa, say Nigeria or the Democratic Republic of the Congo, the population is actually going to go up. And lastly, depopulation's benefits include, and there are benefits, less pollution, less wars, less need for water, less need for food, and less burning fossil fuels. So less people is actually a net net benefit. Geopolitically, the implications can be interesting. China has a late 1930s median population. But with the added complication of just one child per household, think about a war. Imagine that. In a war, when you lose a man, there is no other family member for replacement. I guess, though, that at least they have the people and the numbers in China, and thus a young man to fight. In Japan, the median age is late 40s. Who is going to fight and replace? They are a doomed, and I say this not lightly, civilization. And if there was a war, that could be the end of that civilization, or at least significantly reduced. I would not get too cushy if you're in the West. In case any of you are sitting in Berlin or Stockholm, for example, you should be thinking about having more children. Europe is in a similar situation to China with a declining growth rate and a late 1930s median population. By the way, the United States is in a similar-ish situation. But at least the US and Europe get both legal and illegal immigration to address that depopulation. Though having said that, once you repopulate with immigrants, it's a whole different ballgame. Everything changes. Japan is too coy about immigration, and that keeps civilization intact, but it reduces the race and civilization of the planet ultimately if trends continue downwards. Another observation I'd like to make with this whole immigration to the US or Europe thing is that If the global population in general is depopulating, then replenishing with immigration is a very short-term solution. New immigration also changes the look and feel of the place these people are moving to. Median ages. For the US, Europe, Russia, or China, to fight and win a war, it really needs to be fighting that war right now, or at least in the next 15 years. As the population ages, the chances of fighting a war that needs sheer manpower who are young and not just bombs and drones, i.e. a real war, a war of attrition, becomes limited or impossible to execute. You can't really put people in their late 30s to fight a war. They have to be 18 to 25 years old. That's the meat grinder. Big manpower will ultimately come from sub-Saharan Africa, India, and some parts of the Arab world. But then again, there too, the trend could ultimately be flat or long-term declines. So what does that mean? You don't have to look far. Just look at Japan. Japan is you, Russia, China, Europe, USA, in the not-too-distant future. If you are Mexico, India, Brazil, or South Africa, then look at Russia, Europe, USA, or China. If you are Nigeria or the Democratic Republic of the Congo, then look no further than India to see what's coming. Overpopulation is not a good thing. It means less opportunities. It means too many mouths to feed. It means lots of localized environmental pollution. That said, underpopulation will leave you open to simply not enough people to execute on stuff like infrastructure, supply chains, industry, business, government, and so on. In other words, society could collapse. You could have entire cities and towns that have nothing but empty buildings. Your neighborhood will have some populated and other empty homes. In your old age, there will be no young people to look after you. A close examination of Japan 
tells you how they have ingeniously developed technology to keep lonely people company via AI and lots of robotics that just do stuff for you. Young people will have to keep lots of options open to them to keep them busy because society will have been built for triple or quadruple the population that there currently is. So imagine a place where you've got all this infrastructure and just not enough people. A human population decline is, of course, a net-net benefit for the planet and the animals. But that said, it is also a good thing for humans. Although I think the planet could support another several billion people, I reckon for individual countries, it will likely help them in the long term to have some depopulation. Now, let's assume all these trends continue, and we can assume maybe 50, 100, 150 years into the future. China, in 2073, could drop to 1.2 billion people. In 2123, it could drop to 800 million people. And in 2173, maybe down to 700 million people. That gives Chinese civilization certain continuation and gives them ample time to recreate the civilization via regular human copulation or via some kind of biotechnology. The US, I think, with immigration can be like China and survive, but with a completely different racial makeup. It won't be the European heritage country that you see today. I think the population will rise a bit in 50 years, but in 100 years, say, it might remain flat, and in 150 years, slightly decline or maybe stay flat. My guess is never more than 400 million people in the next 150 years if trend lines continue and immigration remains contained. India, I think, will rise in population. It will go to 1.8 billion in 50 years, maybe touch 2 billion in 100 years. But India will be the source for emigration of people to depopulating lands. So I reckon the population will decline in 150 years back to what it is today, 1.4 billion, and then eventually rest on 1 billion even further ahead from that. Like India, many African countries will see depopulation as overpopulation was forced people to move to places with less people and more land. Clearly, international borders are currently an issue. But I think low population counts will eventually need new people. Now, everything I've thrown at you are simple guesses based on current trends. I've literally thrown a dart into the air. I don't know. Something else could happen. You know, someone, some country somewhere decides to have many children and you create a boom. No idea. But I do know that history tells us that depopulation is part of human history and should be expected. Think about it. In 2023 and last year in 2022, many industries, even in the US, that had etched out a growth population saw lack of workers and many open positions for jobs. That's an indicator. There are other reasons, of course, for lack of workers, but a lower population in the workforce than the ones retiring is a major factor. Eventually, this will become more obvious and more profound. Still several years away, but the trends are there. And this is all very real and incredibly fascinating. Certainly worth keeping an eye on.